0: Hi Brickies, I'm Dominic, the last one standing with a kink for cannibalism.
1: And I'm Kate, the resident phobia expert who also hears voices.
0: And you're listening to Shit and Bricks.
1: A podcast where we talk shit about stuff that scares us.
0: Ripping a few laughs and survival tips along the way.
1: As always, please subscribe, rate and review us. And don't forget to follow us on the socials at Shit and Bricks Podcast.
0: Like the morning after a night on the curries and cans, here it comes. So drop your ducks, pop a squat and let's get into it. Er, nothing wrong with the big one. Nothing wrong with
1: it. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge.
0: Hi, Princess Di. How are you?
1: Oh, hi, Tom. I'm really well. How are you going today?
0: <laughs> I'm I'm good. I just got back from picking up my dad and his two friends from the middle of nowhere in the Aussie bush because their car broke down.
1: Oh, that's very kind of you. That's like a big, big favour.
0: Yeah, I figure, you know, parents probably pick us up as kids so many times. I think it's fair. all the
1: manner of places. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So my day took a bit of a left turn. So to speak,
1: and then a right turn, and then a hundred on the freeway.
0: Yeah, four hours of driving. I'm, ugh, oh. and I did five hours the day before. So oh,
1: that's a big, that's a big favor.
0: Yeah. Anyway,
1: that's very good of you. But they're all home safe.
0: Yeah. Well, he's Fabulous. he's taking my car. He needs it for the next couple oh, of days.
1: So. <laughs> so I'm home bound. But apart from that, I'm good.
0: I put a mark on the on the petrol take. I know exactly where it was and I expect it to be back.
1: <laughs> if there's not a full take in that, I would be shocked. Your dad is very, very thoughtful that way.
0: Absolutely. Anyway, how are you doing, Catherine?
1: Yes, I'm really well. Um, guys, the reason why Dom called me Princess Di is because I have received that compliment three times from three different people. It wasn't just the same person saying that I looked a bit like Princess Di. And I will take that for all its worth. I will hundred percent take that.
0: Yeah, I think that's a pretty timeless. It's kind of like Marilyn Monroe, right? You, if anyone ever said you look like Marilyn Monroe, you say thank oh, you because that's timeless thank you beauty. Very
1: much. Absolutely, no, I'll definitely take that. Um, yeah, so that's exciting. But Dom, do you have any? House- <laughs> for us today
0: just the standard usual uh we bang on about it every time but that's because it's really important mm. right
1: it is it's really important yeah important for our th- survival
0: exactly We're not really, we'll just
1: keep doing this if it's just us listening we don't care <laughs> <laughs> here for us
0: so, check out all of our social links, uh, especially Instagram and TikTok, is probably where we hang out the most. And that's where all the fun stuff is. So, definitely shitten.bricks.podcast. Yeah. While you're at days, it,
1: which, yeah, we'll remind you five stars.
0: Yeah, exactly. Five
1: stars. Great <laughs> review. Don't forget to like and subscribe.
0: Exactly. Well, that's our big thing this year, is, you know, all yeah. those rates and reviews. So, don't forget to Absolutely. do that. That's really helpful. Yeah. Um. And while you're at it, go check out our Patreon because that's lots of fun. And, uh, you know, for example, Kate and I have got new mics and new recording services and everything. So we sound so much better because of all your very generous Brickies out there. So, yeah.
1: Jump on board.
0: Why not? Short but sweet housekeeping.
1: We're continuing on this week. It's a bit of a special. You get to listen to my voice for three weeks. I don't know if that's good or bad, but you take it as it is because that's what you get in, in your ear holes. And we are continuing on this week with the next two chapters of my (laughs) stolen book, (laughs) Get Me Out of Here, Foolish and Fearless Convict Escapes by Pauline Deves, illustrated by Brent Wilson, owned by the Forest Hill College Library. Um, Which I will return. I do swear. I will return.
0: Helen has actually put an APB out on us. We are currently convicts ourselves on the run.
1: So let's see if we'll do what some of these other um, convicts chose to do. We'll find out. We can liken our story to theirs, perhaps.
0: Just before you do, Kate, I was doing a bit of research on our previous episode. Well, not more research but just getting all of our socials and fun stuff cut and edited and yeah. I found out that James Porter was called the larrikin um <laughs> like and I don't know if it's the first time that's ever been used I'm sure it hasn't it isn't but um yes yeah, supposedly that whole story of him escaping and you know and uh,
1: again when he was asleep and then <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's cruising, quite a famous horses. story. That's so cool. I love that. I'm I'm glad that we've got like the little condensed, uh, story version of it. But there's so much out there. It's so exciting.
0: Yeah. So I'm here for for continuing this on for another couple of weeks, Kate. I bring it. Brilliant. Give me more stories. Australia has such a rich history. I got uh, you. But yeah,
1: we can do it. I'll get into it. Shall I start? So we're talking about the phobia, chronophobia. Um, well, when I say we're talking about it, that's what I've likened to these stories. And chronophobia is the fear of time passing or the fear of time. So it's very common in prisoners, was also very common for people during COVID-19 because we were essentially all prisoners in some way, shape or form. Um, So everything was taken away from us. So chronophobia is uh, the phobes. I always like to touch on that. And today I'm going to start off for you with the story of Billy Hunt.
0: At all related to Helen?
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, maybe. (laughs) He was born in, uh, oh, date of birth unknown. So maybe, (laughs) maybe. And he was an actor. So (gasps) it runs in the family.
0: There you go. I was just comparing Kate to Helen Hunt as well. Her hair reminded me of Helen Hunt.
1: Yeah, it's got a bit of a Twister vibe. But anyway. Um, I, but anyway, that's why we, we digress. So the person I'm going to talk to you about, his name, George Hunt, also known as Billy Hunt. How do you get Billy from George?
0: Yeah, that's a stretch.
1: Yeah. There's none of William, the, word, but... the
0: letters in one name as there are in the nah. other.
1: <laughs> nah. I just thought of a really dumb joke too. I was like, how do you get Billy from George? And then my first thing was, you asked very nicely. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's a bad joke. Okay, he was, uh, date of birth is unknown. His birthplace is probably London. <laughs> probably London, England. Occupation, he was an actor. His description, there's no physical description of Billy Hunt. So we will post, I'll post this delightful um, illustration uh, that's been done, which I absolutely love, by Brent Wilson. These illustrations are really excellent. And it is a picture of Billy sitting on a log. And he has a bottle of uh, skull polish next to him, and he's polishing a skull similar to what you would see in a famous Shakespearean play.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. Mm. Now, Billy's crime was stealing a handkerchief. And in his little illustration, he's polishing said skull with that handkerchief, I would imagine. (laughs) He was sentenced to 14 years, 14 years in jail, G-A-O-L, jail, Uh, And he was transported to Van Diemen's Land. Now, we would know from last episode, Van Diemen's Land was um, the original name of Tasmania, now known as Tasmania here in Australia. Billy arrived in Australia in 1825, and he escaped from the Port Arthur Penal Settlement. Penal. (laughs) Penal. (laughs) Um, Okay, here's Billy's story. Billy Hunt knew he was a genius. Not all his neighbours agreed, but what do they know? They were horrible people. <laughs> Thieves, murderers, forgers and kidnappers. Some even claimed to be pirates. If you put down your plate, someone would steal your breakfast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that sounds like something your dad would say.
1: It does. That's it. Don't put your plate down or steal your breakfast. Um, that My dad doesn't sound like that, just for the record. Um, say something out of turn and someone would punch you. That was the trouble with living in a jail. Back home in England, Billy had been an actor, but then the police said that he stole a handkerchief and he had to go to court. The magistrate decided to punish Billy by sending him far, far away from home. That's how he ended up in Van Diemen's land. Even then, he didn't learn his lesson and he got into even more trouble, so he was sent to Port Arthur Prison. It was a dreary place compared to the bright lights of London, and they had to work all day at boring jobs like road building.
0: Road building.
1: Billy tried to uh, tried reciting some Shakespeare while they worked, but this seems <laughs> to make the other convicts grumpy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Doth art you know thou? Where's my pen?
1: Where, where's the the, the road builders? Uh, <laughs> for art thou being grumpy? Um, yeah, that would have made me grumpy too. I'm like, mate, this job's hard enough. You can stick your Billy Shakespeare in your back pocket. I don't (laughs) care for it. (laughs) Shut up. Uh, Now, Billy knew that he had the brains to escape. Others had tried, but few had succeeded. The Port Arthur prison was on a piece of land jutting out into the sea. Escape, escape. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Escape that way seemed impossible because there were supposed to be sharks out there. Besides, not many people knew how to swim. Fair enough. The peninsula, actually on that. As an Australian, and I think we've mentioned this before and probably, but I know that there are a lot of people from the UK where swimming is not particularly high on the priority list Yeah. because there's there's not a lot of time, you know, spent at beaches necessarily or spent at swimming pools or things like that. It's not part of the primary school curriculum as it is here in Australia. So because we're an island, they feel like it's a good idea for us to know how to swim. So that, you know, in primary school you go like grade one, two and everything like that, you you have swimming lessons. You have as to. As part of your, you have to. You have to pass your little um, clim swim, clim swim t- uh, tasks. You get a little booklet, like a passport. You get to check off all your little dealy whackers. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. What was the platypus one?
0: I did the platypus one. I can't remember it, but yeah. I've still got my certificates.
1: Do you? Oh, my God. I think I'm sure my mum would have ours too. I'm sure of it.
0: Yeah. But it's also and, really hey, common. Yeah, I had to, I still had to do um, compulsory swimming up until year nine. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: Of course. And your school had a pool, didn't it? Did you, like in seven and eight, did you swim there or?
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Because yeah, I, I went to, yeah, posh school. Yeah. They had Poshful. a, they had, it was an outdoor pool back then. I think they've got an yeah. indoor one now, but uh, you know, Imagine an all boys, year seven, year eight and year nine, forcing them to all put on skimpy little speedos and jump into a oh. pool once a week for like at least two terms.
1: Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So we're all reasonably proficient swimmers, despite the school we went to. I mean, we were all just tossed into the into the pool when we were infants.
0: Yeah. It's I mean, it's a, thing. it's a fair crack. I think it's... Yeah. W- Yeah, every person should learn how to swim because... I
1: think even just the basics, at least survival swimming. Yeah, global warming. We'll all just be scuba diving to work eventually. All right, so um, besides not many people knew how to swim, so they're not going to swim out into the shark-infested waters, the peninsula was joined to the mainland at a very narrow point called Eagle Hawk Neck where dogs and guards stopped any escape. So they seem to have this prison planned a little bit better Mm. than the previous ones that we've we've spoken about. Some prisoners had tried to escape by boat. Others had tried to walk out into the freezing water and go around the dogs. The guards had to put out more dogs on rafts. (laughs) (laughs) The guards had to put out more dogs on rafts that floated on the sea.
0: (laughs) They're like pirate dogs.
1: The pirate dogs. I wonder if they had a little patch. a little like maybe they had little hook paws.
0: Little boots on. Like pussy <laughs> boots. boots.
1: Yeah, little vests. <laughs> oh, little swords. Like tiny little swords in their little their little collars. Oh.
0: Could you squeaky? imagine Archie with a little life vest? Oh on. my goodness. <laughs>
1: Archie is Dom's sister's dog. He would be the best. He'd be the captain of everyone. I call him Pesci because he looks like Joe Pesci (laughs) if Joe Pesci was a dog.
0: (laughs) It's the same attitude as well.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, So there's dogs out on little rafts out on the water, so it made it really tricky for these prisoners to think about (laughs) escaping. Never mind the sharks in the water. Let's put dogs on rafts and just float them out (laughs) into the ocean. They'll be fine. Um now, Billy, Billy the genius, as he called himself,
0: mm.
1: <laughs> I love a self appointed nickname. Um, he had a brilliant plan. He planned to hop right out of jail.
0: Hop. On, okay. Dude. Is that a. He's going to hop. Is there, is there a clue in there? Is, he... I don't
1: know. <laughs> Look, sometimes the cooks in the jail's kitchen made kangaroo stew for the prisoner guards. Uh, so he knew that there'd be some spare skins around. There's a clue. Are you
0: fucking kidding me?
1: He stole a kangaroo skin. He practised hopping. (laughs) (laughs) If
0: that's not the most Australian thing I have ever heard. Oh,
1: my gosh. So he thinks as well that this had to be his greatest performance ever. The other convicts thought he was mad. (laughs) Hopping mad. (laughs) Now, Billy waited until it got dark. That's when all the convicts were coming back to work in the mines, in the forests and at the shoe factory. It was busy and noisy. He had hidden the skin at the back of a woodpile well out of sight. He walked slowly over the pile and slipped behind it. He took a big breath of fresh air and then put on his smelly costume. Oh, yuck. (laughs) Nobody noticed a lone kangaroo hopping off into the bush. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I could imagine him just being like, oh, no, no, no. That wasn't good enough. I need to, can oh, we start again?
1: <laughs> I need to rehearse. Sorry, guys. Take two. I've just got to, I'm not, like, I'm not being the kangaroo. I'm I'm just, I'm just around it. I need to be it. Let me just really think here.
0: What's my motivation um, as a kangaroo? My, what am
1: I motivating? Just escape? Um. Well, it was simple, but quite hard work. Once Billy was behind the trees, he stopped for a break. He needed another breath of fresh air. It was a bit gooey inside the kangaroo skin. Ooh! Billy sat down on a log. (laughs) Kangaroos don't sit on logs, but Billy was sure he would not be seen. Could you imagine that? A kangaroo. (laughs) Folks, kangaroos don't work like that. They don't (laughs) sit on things. They sit on their tails, if anything. They use their tails, which are wildly strong. To lean on back of, and they their tails can support their entire weight, so that they can kick their legs out in front of them to defend themselves. So they're not sitting. There's not like the way they're made. There's not a no need. They don't really have a butt. They're just like all legs and tail.
0: I could imagine this Billy going, not having an audience and being like, yeah. <laughs> "I need to hop in front of some guards just to, just to make sure that I'm just giving a real performance."
1: <laughs> am I giving? Am I giving kangaroo? Uh, am i serving come on (laughs) give me some feedback now (laughs) billy was sure that he wouldn't be seen and why hop at all in this dark place he would just walk for a bit good plan (laughs) imagine seeing a kangaroo just all of a
0: sudden go fuck this all the world thinks we hop everywhere but in fact we walk like all of you we
1: actually walk like human beings um billy thinks it's a good plan clever billy Much faster that way. He sang quietly to himself as he marched along. After his escape, he would go back on the stage and become famous for his brilliant voice. (laughs) (laughs) He might even write a book about the way he escaped, or maybe not. Perhaps he could become an expert on kangaroos.
0: (laughs) Charles Darwin's got a job for him.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Billy heard a sound. He stopped. Was it a possum? or a bird, or a lizard, or was it the guards coming after him? He was getting closer to the crossing point now. Ten more minutes and he'd be free. He could hear the rattle of dogs' chains, and he could see the fires lit in barrels from one side of the land to another. There were even fires on rafts floating in the nearby sea. I hope that they were barrels. Yeah, and
0: not. dogs. So- <laughs> dogs <don't> stoking <laughs> was- their paws, warming their paws next to a barrel. <laughs>
1: is tough work <laughs> oh my gosh okay um so he could see the fires there were fires on the rafts it was bright as day he would have to hop past the dogs in full view of the guards <laughs> this guy's too much billy needed a rest before his final dash he saw a thick patch of waddle and hopped in his legs ached his knees ached his feet ached and he had a lot more respect for kangaroos <laughs> <laughs> He could hear the guards talking to each other. They were planning their dinner. Roo stew.
0: Ooh.
1: It sounded delicious. Billy had eaten roo stew a couple of times when he worked in the country, but in the jail, the guards kept the best food for themselves. He could almost taste the delicious meat, the potatoes and the onions and the salty gravy. Billy supposed the guards must have shot a roo earlier that day. What a stupid roo it must have been. <laughs> All that country out there, and it must have bounced right in front of the guards, making it easy for them to shoot it. Suddenly, the guards jumped up and looked in Billy's direction. I saw it, one said. Me too, yelled another. Ugliest roo I've ever seen. He hopped right into the wattle bushes. Crack! A shot hit the top of the tree near Billy. A twig broke off and leaves fluttered down. They were busy, <laughs> they were being quite careless with their guns, thought Billy. Not safe at all. Crack! A second shot. This is not what Billy had planned. He peeped through the bushes. Six men had muskets pointed right at him.
0: Jesus. Imagine if a female roo came along and just started having a crack at him.
1: I know. Waddle bushes. Roost you? Ugly? Oh, dear. Billy poked his head out in his, of his disguise. He shouted in his loudest, clearest, best actor's voice. Don't shoot. It's me. Billy! That's my best, um, clearest, loud actor's voice. Do I yeah. pass the test?
0: Yeah, hey. projection was on point.
1: <laughs> Put up your uh, paws. Stand where <laughs> we can see you, shouted a guard. <laughs> Billy walked out. No point hopping now. The guard stared. That's no Rue. It's a bolter. What is he wearing? And what about our roostu? They marched Billy back to prison. At least they didn't make him hop.
0: he gave up very easily like
1: he did didn't he
0: yeah it's night time commitment
1: to character goodness gracious um daniel day lewis would not be thrilled Yes, he'd be like what how did they even know that it was a human if i was doing it i would have been a kangaroo for months prior just around the campsite around the jail
0: leonardo dicaprio is studying kangaroos as we speak (laughs)
1: Dom, would you like to know what happened to Billy?
0: Oh, all right. You know, the other two I was interested in, but this Billy's...
1: I know. Bit of a dingus. um, (laughs) I'm not not shocked at this outcome for poor Billy, but uh, Billy never did escape from Port Arthur. Shock. Uh, Doctors decided that he was mentally ill and he was admitted to a lunatic asylum where he died in 1846.
0: Oh, that's kind of horrible because Billy. he's just a creative little sensitive soul.
1: He was, who just wore the skin of a dead animal to try to escape. But there's been like crazier things, I'm sure.
0: Absolutely. Like, and clearly he almost pulled it off.
1: I know. He did. If they hadn't have been hungry, he probably would have got away.
0: Like, Kate, not to make light of the subject, but that's pretty much what we do here. Um, <laughs> I think you and I would have been committed or... Without what, a doubt. Yeah, whatever the word.
1: I mean, I I barrack for an AFL team called the Kangaroos. <laughs> like, I can really, you know, invest a bit of my effort into that, I would think. Okay, here is a fun fact about the prison at Port Arthur. Okay. Convicts who kept escaping or who'd not behave were sent to... Harsh or isolated places such as Norfolk Island, almost 1,700 kilometres northeast of Sydney, Moreton Bay in Queensland, or Port Arthur in Tasmania. Port Arthur was one of the most feared prisons in Australia. Prisoners there could be placed in solitary confinement, fed only bread and water, or forced to do hard labour. As well as growing their own food and building their own accommodation, they mined coal and made shoes, boats, bricks, and many other useful items to send to Hobart. The prison was thought to be escape-proof as it was surrounded by shark-infested waters. This did not stop prisoners, tired of work, hunger and cold from trying. A boys' prison at Point uh, Port uh, Pure P-U-E-R? Huh? Per? Port yeah. per? Uh a prison a boys' prison there held children as young as 9. Ooh. Ooh. The boys learnt to read and write. That's handy. And were taught trades, which they would be useful when their sentence were over. Uh, They learnt to be brickmakers, shoemakers, tailors, blacksmiths, uh, coopers, and carpenters. They built their own prison with handmade bricks. That's a bit insulting, (laughs) you think? (laughs) Guys, we're going to put you in a prison. At the moment, it's just a land of dust. But we really believe in you that you can build your very own prison. So let's go ahead and do that and then we'll lock you up in it. How does that sound, lads? We all in? <laughs>
0: do I it. don't know if uh, in today's world we would trust or, in, you know, empower, you know, prisoners to <laughs> prisoners build to... their own prison.
1: Well, especially in this book where it's about, you know, convict escapes. Maybe <laughs> don't give them the opportunity to just pop a little, you know, sliding door in one of the, <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. and a little
1: pergola out the back. Uh, now they were asked to, you know, make their own prisons with the handmade bricks. Sadly, most of their buildings no longer survive. This is because the mortar they used to join the bricks contained no lime, so it was brittle and it cracked easily.
0: How is your lime doing, by the way, Kate?
1: Shh! You can't speak so loudly. Dom. Okay, sorry. I will take. I will take a photograph of my lime tonight i won't use a flash i wouldn't dare and then we can post it on our social media okay okay but we can't talk too much about the one lime i have on my four-year-old tree that has never once sprouted a fruit i will look at this one and we'll put it on social media okay enough about the lime sorry (laughs) i'm very sensitive about that lime i want to make one freaking margarita with my one lime that's my dream. Okay. The, mo- the main prison for the most hardened crew- convicts at Port Arthur was known as the separate prison. They got a boardroom of people together for that, didn't they? Yeah. What's that one over there that's separate from all the other ones? Oh, that's the uh, separate prison. Prison. Oh,
0: good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> good name.
0: Write that on now, the paper. Prisoners-,
1: yeah. <laughs> prisoners at the separate separate prison were not allowed to speak to or even see each other. They were forced to wear hoods over their heads when they left their cells. In church, a wooden screen prevented prisoners from seeing the person standing next to them. Oh, this is like almost like COVID already. Yeah. Uh, the system was meant to give prisoners a chance to reflect on their crimes, because uh, but uh, it caused many to become mentally ill. Yeah, you don't have interaction with people. You'd go a bit cuckoo kaka. Yeah. The prison had a graveyard on the Isle of the Dead Again, another app name. Location <laughs> in the middle of the harbour. Vegetables for the prison. Oh, vegetables for the prison were grown on top of the graves.
0: Um, no, fertile
1: soil. Not. Should I try that with my lime tree?
0: Um, if you've got a spare corpse, hang it around.
1: <laughs> not on me, but you know, you've where this stolen a horse away. lately. <laughs> <laughs> Any rooskins around? I could just bury one of them. Uh, less dangerous prisons at in Port Arthur worked at brickmaking, shoemaking, boat building, farming, and timber getting. I would like that to be my job. I wonder what that entailed. Uh, skilled prisoners, such as boat builders or fishermen, could be given more important jobs. The most hated work at Port Arthur was being sent to the coal mines. This job was given to the most disobedient and dangerous prisoners. They worked underground in narrow, semi-dark tunnels for eight hours at a time. No. The tunnels were often flooded and smelt of damp. Convicts who continued to misbehave were placed in underground cells near the mine.
0: No. No, no thank you.
1: No. I will pass. Thanks so much for asking. A mill powered by a water wheel was established to provide flour for the prison. If the flow of water was not strong enough, convicts were for- forced to work on a treadmill to keep the mill grinding. Oh, Oh, exercise is hard enough.
0: Yeah, not to grind your own flour.
1: Yeah. So, those are some fun facts about Port Arthur Prison, Dominic.
0: It was interesting, Kate, because as you were reading through all of the conditions and everything, you know, Uh but also the skills that they were taught and all that sort of jazz, I just kept on running through my mind until up until the very end when shit got a little bit less savory Mm
1: -hmm. i
0: was just thinking the first ever episode we did on cannibal island and the conditions that those people were forced by government to live in on that little island remember in between the two rivers Mm -hmm. and they had nothing like i'm like that was only in what the 40s so even in the 1800s like the, they the, almost had it better. Yeah, I I kind of want to be careful about saying that because obviously it's not sure. fantastic what no, they're living it's not in. Great. <laughs> but yeah. to talk about and especially if you get 14 years for stealing a fucking handkerchief, but you can mm. I don't know. It be, must have
1: been a really nice handkerchief.
0: Right? You can like be convicted silk, of rape in the states these days and get less time. You could less, have a I know. dime bag, a pot and get more time than that.
1: Can I? I mean, oh, should I should I shouldn't. Okay, sorry. Yeah.
0: No, <laughs> but like I'm quite impressed by the fact that they taught them certain skill, like especially the hmm. teaching of l- labor skills and stuff like that. It it like there's there's got to be something to be said for hey at least they weren't sitting in a cell doing nothing, yeah b- whatsoever. Like getting yeah. them trained up to do at least something is yeah, pretty. I also
1: find. Like, cool. teaching them to read and write?
0: Yeah. That's
1: not that's not common. Right? In the 1800s. Like, that's uncommon. Very uncommon.
0: By the way, um, okay. big disclaimer Let's... here. We're not saying that this is good, the treatment of these people was good, that this is, none, like, none oh, I of that. Am. We're just.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. But, goodness gracious, how many episodes are we in? People should know that about us. We do have big hearts. Yeah. Um And, you know, we're just. Having some fun. <laughs> How do we know? Question mark dot. How do we know, Dom? How do we know things on the record? Is my little subheading. Records were kept of prisoners' behavior. They could be punished for being late um, to late to work, breaking equipment, swearing, being lazy, or stealing supplies. Convict records show that one prisoner at Port Arthur was punished for deliberately breaking. <laughs>
0: Oh, we're broken, Kate.
1: Oh, this is excellent. I would do something like this. One prisoner at Port Arthur was punished for deliberately breaking his wooden leg so he wouldn't have to work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is pulling a sickie for the eighteen hundreds.
1: Yeah, I can't. My leg broke. <laughs> My wooden peg leg's busted. I can't bloody build roads today. It's um, like a dog oh, ate, God, ate your breakfast.
0: Be like, yeah, dog, yeah. dog ate my wood leg.
1: Dog, dog ate me wood leg. Can't do it. Um. Do you want to learn some lingo? Oh,
0: I love this. These are all takeaways. Yeah, Here we go. this is great.
1: What do you think, Dom, if we're talking about convicts, if we're talking about, uh, you know, prisons and the work that they're doing? Centipede. What does centipede mean?
0: Um, I'm glad that this is not the pop culture reference because. No. Oh, um,
1: no. No, we won't do that.
0: No, centipede. Is that just, Uh like I'd imagine them all lined up with their chains, chained to each other, filing out of a building or working on a road and they're all chained up together. They look like it.
1: You are so close. Yes, I mean, you pretty much got it. You pretty much got it. It is a gang of up to 60 convicts whose job was to carry long pieces of timber.
0: Oh, wow. they would
1: all just be lined up. And carry really long pieces of timber. Imagine sixty convicts—is that just one piece of timber for sixty people?
0: That would that would look very much like a centipede. It's like a cylindrical thing with these people wearing. I'm just picturing people. black and white stripies.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming. <laughs> All right, um, what about the phrase "gentleman convicts"? What is a gentleman convict, Dominic?
0: Is that like someone that was from the upper class that did get convicted?
1: You are pretty much on there. Yeah, you're pretty much hitting the nail on the head. It is convicts who had some education or who could read, and they were also known as specials.
0: Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't know, yeah, I don't know. If, I think I would
1: prefer gentleman convict, to be honest, than a That's special. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Okay, now here's a convict character, a little extra little bit of information before I, I move on to our next story. Now, this is a story of Martin Cash, Martin Cash was one of the few convicts who escaped from Port Arthur. He and two others escaped by swimming out into the water and past the dogs chained up at Eagle Hawk Neck. They took off their clothes and tied them in bundles which they tie, uh, which they tried to carry above their heads. But as the clothes were washed away uh, as they swam, <laughs> but the clothes were washed away as they swam, Martin and the others stole some more clothes and went on to become bush rangers. So ah. they did get away.
0: So it wasn't a inescapable prison like it no claimed.
1: well that's right
0: there well. you go
1: okay so that is uh Port Arthur that's my little story of hey. um Billy Hunt and Billy his Hunt. kangaroo hopping adventures
0: and the rude dog kid
1: The re- <laughs> 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 that was pretty good I like that one okay next story I have for you is William Buckley's story William Buckley, also known as the Wild White Man. (laughs) I wonder if that's self-imposed. Okay. Now, his date of birth, we're going back a ways here, is 1780. He was born in 1780. He was born in Cheshire in England. Shout out to any Cheshireans. And his (laughs) occupation, I assume that's what they're called. Do you have a cat? Occupation. (laughs) Um, He was a soldier and a bricklayer. His description, so his little profile, he's around six feet, five inches tall, has many tattoos, including the letters WB.
0: Wow, he's huge. Yeah,
1: well, six foot five. Yeah, six foot five's tall. I was just trying. Yeah, covered in
0: tattoos. I know a few friends of mine would find him quite (laughs) a a delight. Quite a delight. (laughs) It
1: is. Now, his crime was receiving stolen goods and he was sentenced to life in jail. He was transported to Port Phillip. He arrived in Australia in 1803, so he was 23 years old when he arrived here, and he escaped from the Port Phillip camp. Here's our story of William Buckley. We saw the gentle green hills and a land covered in flowers of every colour. We felt the warm breezes as our ship, the Calcutta, sailed across the bay. We cheered, smiled and shouted. All of us, almost 300 convicts, had suffered enough on the long voyage. I can only Mm. imagine. Uh, There were free men and women on board too and children. The journey was hard for them, poor little mites. It was said that they'd hoped to do well in their new lives, but eight people died during the long voyage and many more looked unhealthy. Uh We were at sea for more than 160 days.
0: That's (sighs) about 161 more days than I would like.
1: That is so true. Agreed. (laughs) I'm not a cruise person. Have you been on a cruise before, Dom?
0: No, and if I ever do go on a cruise, I will be at a certain level of intoxication the entire time and I'll constantly be envisioning myself falling in and going under the boat like what's-his-name does in Speed 2 Cruise Control and almost getting chopped up by the propellers because that's Chopped up by the
1: propellers, obviously. Yep, I mean that's a reasonable fear to have. And no reason you should ever go on a gastro boat, which is what I like to call cruises. (laughs) Um, Okay, so they were at sea for more than 160 days. The free folk wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be locked up and treated like slaves. They would have a choice in how they lived their lives. But there was no choice for us. We were to start a new colony in this place called Port Phillip. I'll admit, I was scared about what it might be like. I imagined harsh country and wild animals. But as we sailed into the pretty bay, I felt hopeful. It looked as if it wasn't going to be so bad, but looks can be deceiving. Though we set up our tents and tried to grow crops in the sandy soil, there was never enough water or food to go around. There were sticky flies and buzzing mosquitoes, millions of them, which drove us mad all day and night. Something to look forward to if you ever come here to Australia and you've not been here before. Mosquitoes are the bane of your existence. Huge. Three friends and I could stand it no longer, so we decided to escape. We'd heard of Sydney and thought it couldn't be too far away, could it? We chose to try our luck on Christmas Eve when the guards were taking it easy, drinking, singing, and ignoring their duties. We had stolen a hidden gun. Oh, stolen and hidden a gun. Not stolen a hidden gun. (laughs) Um, They stole and hid a gun, uh, some boots, and a big cooking pot. That's on their, their little... Christmas list.
0: The Roost Jew.
1: The Roost Jew. We set off by night, but a sentry, one who wasn't drinking, heard us and fired in the dark. I doubt he could see us and we were running, yet he still managed to hit one of my mates. A lucky shot, I suppose. The other two and I kept going. We had to. What could we do for the poor fellow? I suppose he died. (laughs) Matter (laughs) of fact. We pushed on, staying out of sight and eating what we could find Before long we were hungry, thirsty and very tired We threw away our pot because it was too heavy to carry (laughs) Why you take a ginormous cast iron pot as your list of things anyway? But okay, good for them, they threw it away We decided to surrender So they threw away the pot and they're like, nah, it's too hard We headed for the bay and saw the Calcutta in the distance Perhaps a guard on board would send a small boat to rescue us We used our shirts tied to poles to signal the ship, but it seems that nobody saw us. At night, we lit a fire, but it was ignored. How silly is that? Three convicts tried to surrender and they refused to take us back. (laughs) My two mates decided to try and reach the ship by walking back the way we'd come. Not me. I changed my mind about surrendering and decided to keep going.
0: (laughs) Good on you, Billy.
1: Good on you, Billy. Um, now, after a while, I came to a place where I could shelter under rocks. I built a hut out of branches and leaves. Now, remember, um, William was a uh, soldier and a bricklayer. So yep. he has like trade experience and also probably somewhat survival kind of experience, I guess, in a limited sense.
0: I'm sure everyone ate at berries. that time, you know, like, yeah, it's it's you kind of living off the land anyway.
1: Yeah, pretty much to survive. Lots of agricultural pursuits. Uh, Now, he's, uh, yeah, so I built a hut out of branches and leaves. I ate berries, shellfish, and a soft creeping plant that spread over the soil. At night, the eerie sound of native dogs howling kept me awake. There was also another sound, a strange grunting like a pig. Eventually, I worked out that it came from the native bear, a small grey creature found high in the tree. Oh, Folks. it's our beloved little kuala.
0: It could have been a drop bear and they are no joke.
1: Yeah. They're not a joke. No. And if they're grunting, that means they're real cross. So yep. you don't want to be anywhere near you don't want to be seen by a drop bear if it's grunting. Because they're if on it the sees hunt. you, it will drop. They are yep. on the hunt. They will come and get you. Like don't move. If you hear that noise, stay still. In fact, lie on the ground because it's less intimidating to them.
0: Kate, should we try and give an example of what the grunting of a drop bear sounds like? Sure. <laughs> Shall I go first? No,
1: I'm sorry. That was almost, I almost went full gorilla. <laughs> yeah. Dom, you go, you go, and I'll find the actual sound of it, but you go. Because
0: I feel like it's a, I, I always get them mixed up with the possum grunt, which is, re- I think yeah. possums did- sound more scary. Like a koala yeah. is like a, <laughs> it's like they're constipated.
1: <laughs> I think that was pretty spot on. I like that. All right, here we go. I've gone on wildambience.com. Ooh, deep bellowing. That sounds good. I wonder if I'll be here we go. That's creepy. That's its deep bellowing.
0: I don't think that was It kind of sounded like a tractor's
1: trying to start. Yeah. No, you were pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do we want to hear a koala wailing and screaming? I'm sure this would be a thrill if you're out camping in Australia. I want to hear it. This is a distress call. <laughs> Sounds like a bird.
0: Imagine that in the middle of the night, hearing that in the dark. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Sounded a bit monkey like then. Oh my God. Okay, so that is the wailing, screaming call, also known as a distress call. Koalas often make this sound when bickering with another koala or disturbed or alarmed by another species. Oh my God, we're learning so much today.
0: I know. Sorry to interrupt.
1: Sorry, no, not at all. That was a good little um, detour. So uh, William has, you know, heard the native bear, small grey creature found high in the trees. Uh, In the summer, the hut was warm enough, but soon winter was coming and the gales from the sea were bitterly cold. I decided to move on. I was soon hungry and weak. One day I came across a small mound of earth with a spear stuck into it. I took the spear and used it as a walking stick. I had to rest often. After a short nap, one afternoon, I woke to find Aboriginal people standing over me. They smiled and beckoned me to follow them. I was afraid at first, but then I realised they meant me no harm. They took me to their camp, allowed me to shelter in one of their huts and gave me uh, the name Maranguk. They fed me and took me to meet other groups nearby. The spear I had taken belonged to a man who had died and it seems that the people thought that I was that same man returned uh. from the dead. So they accepted me and I lived happily with them. That is so beautiful. For our um, international listeners, our Indigenous communities, their, like, spirituality and with the, uh, the the connection to the earth and the meaning behind items like a spear, that's not just something they just pick up from, you know, boat and camping fishing. Like, they have such incredible ties to everything in their communities. So that's that is not, like out of the realms for them to go, that is the person who died and he's come back. I love that.
0: Such a cool story.
1: It's so cool. Now, sometimes I heard white people nearby, men from fishing boats, men exploring the land, but I was afraid to approach them as they might have arrested me and taken me to prison. Besides, I was happy with my new people. I became a good hunter and wore a cloak of kangaroo skins to keep out the chill winds. Now this isn't like a kangaroo skin we were talking about earlier. <laughs> this is a, <laughs> these are proper um you know clothing items that are that were prepared in a way where they could wear them and yeah take take warmth and comfort from. Not from appropriating
0: kangaroo culture. No. This is
1: No. Th- that's correct. This is yeah, this is the original. Many years came and went. I don't know how many. We didn't use the English calendar, but I knew that many seasons had come and gone. My beard almost reached to my belly, but one day I heard some of my friends were planning to visit the encampment of newly arrived white people on Balloween. They were curious about who these people were, with their white sailboat and whether they were ancestors. They wished to welcome, offer, and share their culture and assist if possible. Oh, that makes me feel so sad. Mm. I decided to go to the white people's camp and hope I could make them understand. They were very surprised to see me. They were afraid, I think. My clothes, my beard, and the strange sounds I was making startled them. Perhaps I should have left my spear and clubs behind. They gave me some bread to eat, and I showed them the mark I had on my arm, WB. Then I found myself saying words that felt strange on my tongue, words I hadn't spoken for 32 years. William Buckley, I said, my old name.
0: Wow. That long he spent with this community.
1: Spent with this community. Now, just as a proviso, it has on this page here that um, this chapter has been reviewed by the Wadawurrung Traditional Owners Aboriginal Corporation. So this is not a story that has been appropriated. It has been reviewed and approved for publication.
0: Great. I was just about to ask. I started Google searching what is the name of the, like the Traditional Owners From that area.
1: Yeah. Yes. So, yep. So the, and it's what happened to William. This shares a little bit more information. So I'll share what happened to William. The Aboriginal people that William lived with were the Wadawurrung people. Through living with them, he learned how to speak their language, which plants to eat and where to find water. After William met the white people at the camp, he left his Wadawurrung friends. He agreed to help the white people explore the area and talk to the locals. In return, the governor granted him a pardon. However, neither the Kulin Nation nor the white people trusted him completely again. That's really sad. William left Port Phillip, uh, called Nam by the peoples of the Kulin Nation, and went to Hobart in Tasmania, where he worked as a storekeeper and as a gatekeeper at the Cascades Female Factory. He stayed out of trouble and was awarded a pension by the Victorian government. He married in 1840 and died in Hobart in 1856.
0: Kate, this is probably the most meaningful story story I think we've ever told.
1: Oh, my God. I loved that. That was a brilliant story. I want to research more about William Buckley now and his time with the Wadawurrung people.
0: I'm going to totally share that story through work and through community stuff that I do. That is freaking amazing.
1: That's amazing. And for our international listeners the relationship that we have have with our Indigenous Australians is still very contentious. We're we're making tiny little steps and little progress, um, but it is their land and it always was and always will be. So it's one of those things where it's really important. I'm glad that they put that in there, that it's been reviewed by the Traditional Owners Aboriginal Corporation. And Mm. that was such a great, like, story for that. But I'm disappointed that he chose to, yeah, then you know help help the white people by using the skills he'd learn in language and being able to hopefully prevent any kind of you know conflict or anything if he was there like if he was able to translate for them and if they met some of any of the other tribes or yeah. and I know that a lot of, all the dialects are very different um but at least he would have been yeah maybe he would have been able to do some good work
0: it's such a challenge cuz that's such a such a serious amount of work for just one person to do and as we all Mm, know of course sorry as not as we all know a lot of Australians don't know but uh people coming into you know colonizers as they should be referred to just were not prepared or couldn't no matter I don't think no matter what someone as amazing as him could have said or done I just don't think that particular community of humans were capable of fully understanding the damage that they were going to make.
1: Mm, Yeah. Exactly. Here is another, this is our fun facts page, and the fun fact is entitled Off to the Bush. So this gives you, I suppose, yeah, that, that little bit more background, which I'm loving. Sit. Now, most convicts who fled into the Australian bush had little knowledge of the geography of the country into which they were escaping. So these are people, you know, sent from England over here, very different countries, mm. very, very different in lots of ways. So people are, you know, they're escaping into the bush and they've got no idea what they're, they're coming up against. They had no maps and stories told by other escaped convicts were often inaccurate. It was reported that some convicts believed that China lay just beyond the Blue Mountains in New South Wales. Oh. That's not the case. You've got to go through the centre of Australia and Perth before you get to the ocean. You're not close. You're definitely not. Lost. Some Irish convicts, it was said, thought that Ireland must lie in a southerly direction. Also, not right. Uh, this was because, because cold winds blew from the south and there were cold winds in their homeland. <laughs> that makes sense. They're like, that feels cold. Cold's like home. I think home's that way. Yep. Other escapees expected to see signposts guiding them to their destination. Not the case. Sometimes Aboriginal people would help escapees, giving them food and shelter. However, as the colony developed, many convicts behaved badly towards the Aboriginal people and were no longer welcomed into their communities, which is completely correct. Many Aboriginal people stopped helping escaped convicts, instead returning them to the soldiers. Soldiers gave informers rewards of food, clothing, blankets, and other supplies. In 1790, a group of five convicts ran away from Parramatta, west of Sydney becoming some of the earliest escapees to be taken in by Aboriginal people. The group stole a boat and were found around five years later living near Port Stephens. They were caught and returned to Sydney. There were many other tales of wild white men living in the bush with Aboriginal people. One of them, John Graham, escaped from Moreton Bay, a harsh prison in Queensland. Like famous escapee William Buckley, he was believed to be the returning spirit of a, oh goodness, I don't want to pronounce this incorrectly i'm so sorry it is um kwandamuka kwandamuka man i apologize if i pronounce that incorrectly now he was given the name moilo and travelled widely with the group when he returned to morton bay he provided information about the countryside to the government authorities he also helped the party which found and rescued eliza fraser a woman who'd been shipwrecked on fraser island Convicts who escaped into the bush became Australia's first bushrangers. Their crimes ranged from robbing single travellers on the road to holding up coaches, robbing banks, and raiding stations and farms. They would steal horses and food, blankets, tobacco, and guns. Some were polite to their victims, but others terrorised the locals.
0: Hmm.
1: And that is our little fun fact about heading off into the bush. I'll have to do an episode about bushrangers. Why not? About, like, the original bush rangers particularly one famous bush ranger um by the name of ned kelly who uh yeah did lots of things here in australia
0: i mean there's plenty okay. of scary stuff in australian fauna, fauna and fauna flora and fauna I know.
1: yeah absolutely there is <laughs> okay my last couple of little things uh before i leave you for our episode uh two of our delightful book Uh, Convict characters. Here's two other little snippets of characters. Edward Davis, probably not his real name in in, in brackets. (laughs) He was an escaped convict who may have been Australia's only Jewish bushranger. He was known for the gentleness with which he treated his victims and from robbing for the rich to give to the poor. He's like Robin Hood. Edward arrived in Sydney in 1833 and worked at Hyde Park Barracks. He escaped three times and was caught, but after his fourth attempt, remained at large. He formed a gang in the Hunter and New England area. He would not let his gang use violence. However, in 1840, while robbing a store in Scon, one of the gang members panicked and shot someone. Townspeople captured the gang after tracking them to their hideout. Edward and his gang were sentenced to death.
0: Oh. Hmm.
1: Sorry, Edward.
0: Bush Ranger life, though. That's
1: Bush Ranger life. And the other little snippet story is John Black Caesar. Uh, Now, John Black Caesar is sometimes called Australia's first bushranger. He was of African heritage and grew up in England. He was charged with theft and given a sentence of seven years, arriving in the colony of New South Wales on the first fleet. John escaped into the bush several times and in 1795 formed a gang of bushrangers with others who had bolted. He raided the homes of people in the Sydney area until the government offered a reward of five gallons of rum for his capture,
0: wow. and he
1: was shot by colonists in, 19- in 1796.
0: How about so that? our own version of the Wild Wild West, but it's Wild Wild it South is. East.
1: <laughs> I know. Okay, here is the last two little handy hints, tips, little bits and pieces. How do we know? Prisoner Portraits. Sketches were sometimes made of convicts, including those who had been executed. Surveyor Wedge, Surveyor Wedge, that's a person's name? It is. Surveyor Hmm. Wedge, whom William Buckley assisted, made some sketches of the famous escapee. Today, they can be found in the State Library of Victoria.
0: Cool. That's where we are. I need to go
1: to the State Library. Yeah. (laughs) And finally, learn the lingo. Dominic. What does the phrase bail-up mean?
0: Bail-up. Is that like, I want to think it's something like being, you know, if you're in a bank and someone's coming to rob the bank and you're being bailed up at a place, like you're caught up, you're stopped and, you know, you held pretty up. Much
1: nailed it. Like, yes, held you up. pretty much nailed it. Yes, you pretty much nailed it. So, to bail someone up is to stop someone so they can be robbed.
0: Yeah. There
1: you go. There you go. You you nailed it. Well done. Look
0: at me. I think I got all you of them are, right this episode. The
1: lingo. You are killing the lingo. I love that. And that, folks, is the uh, second part of our three part story from Get Me Out of Here, Foolish and Fearless Convict Escapes by Pauline Deves, illustrated by Brent Wilson. I am obsessed with that second story. I thought that was so great. I love a bit of just, yeah, talking about our culture. And, yeah, again, apologies if I pronounce anything incorrectly. Um, But, yay, I really like this book. I'm having such a fun time.
0: Well done, Kate. This is such an interesting and different kind of storyline. And uh, it's so much fun. So well done.
1: Yeah, I'm loving it. And don't forget to join us next week where I'll finish off our story. And as I mentioned in last week's episode, we need a bit of diversity. So my next one is of a man and then a woman story because we (laughs) don't want to just leave it all to the dudes having fun.
0: Yeah, we're naughty. Alrighty, well, I guess we'll see you next week. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, check out our socials and our Patreon.
1: Absolutely. We love you so much and we'll see you next week. Bye. See
0: you. Bye.
1: Love you. That's a wrap. Big shout out to everyone for tuning in to Shit and Bricks.
0: Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review us. Plus, you can find extra little nuggets on our socials.
1: Next week, we'll be back talking more shit, so do not forget to tune in.
0: And remember to wipe, flush and wash your hands. Goodbye. Goodbye.